How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. If you're treating veterans with PTSD, VA's National Center for PTSD can help. The PTSD Consultation Program offers free expert consultation and resources to providers. We won't ask you to fill out any forms, and we respond to requests within a day. To learn more on this easy-to-use program, visit ptsd.va.gov consult. Again, that's ptsd.va.gov consult. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of the Unfiltered and Undiscovered podcast. It has been a big week, so we're going to get straight into it. As always, I've got my co-host, Tave Bragg, down there from Adelaide. We've got uh, Bragg here, and we've also got, um, let's welcome our guest first up. So this guy, this guy, can I tell you, during that transformative years of Australian rock, he was a road manager, stage manager, production manager, tour manager for the likes of Screaming Tribesmen, the Hitman, Lime Spiders, Kings of the Sun, Psychotic Turnbuckles, the Johnnies, he helped out with international supports like the Damned, the Cult, my God, I'm so excited. We've got Peter Rossi Ross with us. How are you, Rossi? Really good to be here, fellas. Really good to be here. Lovely yeah, to talk to my Queensland friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you're originally a Queenslander? No, I'm a Sydney boy, but I've got a lot of Queensland fa- friends up there, I tell you. Spent, yeah, so I much, spent so much time up there, I thought I'd live there for a while. <laughs> well, there's worse places to be. So Braggy's actually a Queenslander. Yes. Um, fundamentally from far north Queensland. And I was born in New South Wales, but moved to Queensland when I was eight. So I'm a Queenslander. Ooh, what about so state of origin, Curly? I didn't realise you were born in New South Wales. That's your state of origin. Oh, mate, I, I tell you what, my, my dad was a rugby league ref. And when we got to Queensland and we lived in this little bedroom, this little house on the Maroochee yeah. River, and uh, and we'd sit there in the sunroom listening to the um, interstate games in those days. This was before yep. State of Origin. And Dad was cheering for Queensland. And I said, okay. <laughs> he said, well, we're living here now, mate. We're Queenslanders. So I said, okay. So that's always stuck with me. If it was good for Fair my dad. Uh, born in Windsor and Sydney and spent all his life in New South Wales until we moved. Hey, look, we've had a big week of news. Let's first talk about Taylor Hawkins, mate. Man, Rest in that peace. was just a shock out of the blue, wasn't it? You know, I went back and watched him because, you know, he started with, well, Alanis Morissette, yeah, was the first, the first big act he played with. And if you, if you go on YouTube, there's a great clip of Alanis Morissette on The Letterman Show. And, and man, have you seen that one, Pete? He just, and he just, oh, man, he's so solid behind them drums. He just, he is, a, he was a freak. He was a force yes. of nature. And a positive force of nature from all reports, you know, like what a great player. It just shocked everyone. I've got a couple of young blokes who both play drums as well as a lot of other instruments, but both of them are really big Foo Fighters fans and are just yeah. devastated. Still processing it, yeah. I think. A lot of people are. Yeah, he really attacked them, kind of felt he? Like he really we attacked knew, the drums. We kind of feel like we all know them because they spent so much time out yes. here. 
Mm-hmm. And poor old Dave, yeah. that's the second band. What's he going to do now? I mean... Well, they've cancelled the tour, haven't they? They were coming to Australia, so they've cancelled... Do you think bands talk, do you think bands talk about... Like, like, I know with the Stones, they're so old, they, they surely would have had conversations with, with each other. You know, if I go, you guys keep going, you know, I really like this guy, get him in, you know. But I guess Foo Fighters are much younger. Maybe they, you know... I don't think they would have no, thought I of that. So. I don't think I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think they'd be devastated. I'd be surprised. Like, yeah, you know, a little bit of me says I'd be surprised if they kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be hard. Yeah, I think it will yeah, be too. And it, it's it's a strange one for me, Braggy, because I've never been a big Foo Fighters fan. Okay, so I I know their music, and you know when I hear one of their songs, I know it's the Fooies, but. I wasn't as emotionally attached to it, so um, so it's been a weird one because all my mates have been in like really emotional states with it. It's really, really, really yeah. interesting, and and of course the other big news is last night we had the Shane Warne memorial, and one billion <laughs> people tuned into that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it's yeah, like we talked earlier, and I like I guess this we have this is three hundred million viewers in India. And then there'll be yeah, yeah. so yeah, and and, and it was a who's un- who of of the rock world as well. He had Elton John, Robbie Williams, yeah. Ed Sheeran, freaking what's his name from? I never remember his name. Chris from Coldplay. Chris, Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never remember. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I- I'm not a Coldplay fan anyway. But the only reason I remember Chris Martin is because. Uh, who uh, Eddie um, Eddie got it wrong after he, they came back from a um, Ray Martin segment and he called Ray Chris. Oh. So, I, so when Chris came on in Coldplay, I said, "Ah, oh, oh. that's why," because I was trying to figure out why it was the case. Uh. Warney had big star power, though, didn't yeah. he? Oh, didn't he? Right. He just he must have been just a cool guy to hang with, you know. I just remember watching him play cricket. They toss him the ball very early in his Ashes career. They toss him the ball, yeah. and you just sit up and go, "Something's it, going to and happen." It did. And it pretty much did. <laughs> it did all the time. Just go, "How does he do that?" It was great. Yeah, yeah. It was a great era for Australian cricket. And and the other interesting thing is, and I said this to Sharon last night, is that as he got older, he got younger looking and fitter looking. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, dead at fifty-two. I, I, I'm still bewildered yeah. by it, to be honest. So. Yeah. Um, now, in other news, the Ritzy kids who were looking forward to doing a live show in Newcastle, and I've forgotten the band that they were going to support. That's been called off apparently because of COVID. Okay. So, uh, Sean and the boys are devastated, but we'll get a chance to have a chat with. Sean next week. Let's hope his uh, internet's a little bit better than what it normally is. So, and um, and the last little bit of news is on Saturday at Platform Five, me and my girl Sharon went to see Mick and Ursula at uh, Platform Five, and mate, can I tell you, it was just such. It, it, it is such a, a good little venue. Um, there would have been maybe 30, 40 people there. Everyone's got their own story. I'm fascinated by, <laughs> I'm fascinated by human stories, but it was just, and I only stayed for the first set. So Mick said his second set was going to be a little bit rockier, but um, it was acoustics and keyboards, and 
I tell you what, Ursula is has got a stage presence. She has so much fun out there. And the keyboards, it's really interesting because the keyboards at times float above the music yep. and sort of envelop it. And then at other times it creates this little bit of a pace through the music. So, mate, I just loved it. And um, played a couple of songs of their upcoming album. So I'm really looking forward to getting it out. So, so cool. much fun. What a survivor so he is. Yeah, he is. And, to- and that's how we met yes. Rossi. Mick Mick was known to us. His nickname was Tenacious Road Beast. <laughs> okay, tell us why. <laughs> oh, he just nothing could stop him. It didn't matter. You couldn't kill him with an axe. He just kept going and going and going. Like uh, I worked through the band with a lot of different yep. lineups, and yeah. yeah, look, he may be he may be slight in in stature, but for me, he was he was a. We had so much fun, and boy, yeah. could he rock! The guy, the guy's like a Keith Richards guitar player with a vo- yeah. with a with a blood curdling scream. We 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 toured for like forty five weeks a year for years. Wow! Like you know, four yeah. or five shows a week for forty five weeks of the. And we we're tired, yeah. but we just kept mm. going and going yeah. and going. Wow. And tenacious road, tenacious road. That's right. <laughs> had other nicknames, but I won't go into those. <laughs> I will push for them. But- but that's the that's the enigma, Rossi. I think with Mick as well. He's such a softly spoken guy when you're talking with him, and then he's got this such a powerful voice on stage, and um, it's just uh, just incredible. Um, Ursula Ursula tagged me in a Chris Mazowak. Um, Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Millions of our nation's veterans deal with PTSD every day. VA's PTSD consultation program is easy to use and here to help you treat these veterans. Providers like you can access free consultation with expert clinicians, free continuing education, and free resources to help you assess and treat veterans. To learn more, visit ptsd.va.gov consult. Uh, video just before where he's doing Date with a Vampire. Yeah. And Braggy, when you described Date with a Vampire and you've got the screaming banshee guitar yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in, in in that second segment, it uh, it really stuck, it stuck out with the, the Mazowak version. Right. So uh, just... Yeah, I spent a lot of time with Chris's guitar tech. I still uh, still do stuff. When I think we might be getting Chris out to Australia in December. But uh, oh, that'll be cool. He's in Spain yeah. at the moment. He's, isn't he? he lives in Spain, where he's got a family over there. But he's uh, we're, we're talking with his management at the I ninety four bar with Craig Barman, yeah. and looks like we'll be getting Chris over, which would be great. Um, I've seen Chris do Date with a Vampire because it was always the showstopper at the end of the set, and I would yeah. see it from any anywhere from like three feet to 15 feet away and watch him play it every night and it was yeah. the same he would never he was impeccable the yeah. bloke the bloke was just flawless and taught me how to be a professional i reckon <laughs> he had very high standards very All high right. standards for everyone so including about, himself talking about professional then you mm-hmm. you shared a little bit of information about a band that you're playing with currently mm-hmm. so if i've done my research okay yeah 
we're going to listen to a little bit of Jupiter 5. That's now, you didn't know this was happening. to you for that for that surprise so so who's in jupiter five there's some familiar looking faces yeah. there well the 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 guitar player on my side that's a sneaky rehearsal room shot that my young fellow shot on a video camera and that's his brother drumming actually okay. yeah so that's one of our boys Beautiful. drumming and james and angus shot that one so um Vince Cascuna, who's on my left-hand side, but he's been in a number of bands. We worked with him in Buffalo Revisited. He's played in the Hitmen. Uh, yeah. He's played in the Conspirators. Um, he's played in the Psychotic Turnbuckles. That's a great I've, name. I don't know that band, kill me for that's a great name. It's a 60s uh, garage band from the okay. 80s. They've been around. They've been playing for years. They're doing a show later this year. And yeah, then, I think they're coming up to Queensland too. I believe I'm coming up with them, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe it's Punk Fest they're coming up for. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, Ange, the other guitar player, played with Vince and the Conspirators, which is uh, Angelo Entedormi, and the guitar, the singer is Jay Uni, who has played in Thirst and Howlers and the Conspirators as well. And uh, he's played in so many bands, I can't even begin to think. But those guys, yeah, I've known them since the eighties, I guess. So we're just hanging around doing nothing one night, and Vince said. Where do we have a place? So they came over here into the. I got a little studio here, and they came over. And we had a whack, and we we played around for a while, and then all of a sudden we found ourselves doing gigs. The next thing we know, we got a single out. So it's been good fun. Yeah, really good fun. And, and it's a vinyl. It's a seven inch. We've got a seven inch vinyl. Single. Yeah. We'll have to get hold of one of those. How yeah. cool is that? We'll have huh? to get hold of one of those. Yeah. Well, I'll hook you up. No problem at all. <laughs> yeah, we've got a full length album coming later this year, I think. Oh, that's excellent. Now, Braggy, just psychotic turnbuckles. If you sort of take a little bit of 60s psychedelic garage sort yeah. of music and team it up with rock and roll wrestling, that's the psychotic okay. turnbuckles, mate. So, that's cool. Um, the lead singer, oh, my God. My Jesse the gonna, Intruder. That's it, Jesse the Intruder. So just, uh, yeah, they were they are, fun. Look them the, up, look them up. Oh, yeah. We used to do these big <laughs> rock and roll wrestling shows with the Australian wrestlers like... Um, you know, Steve the Crusher Rackman and all those guys would come oh. down. We'd have a wrestling ring. We did Paddington Town Hall, which was a really famous spot where yeah. Radio Birdman and the Saints Mario played. Milano? We had a wrestling ring. No, Mario was a bit <laughs> older. I was actually at Mario's induction into the Australian Wrestling Hall of wow. Fame. <laughs> I remember that as a kid. Mario Milano, killer Carl Kowalski. It, 
Brute Bernard. Bernard. That's the ones I we're remember. All, yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah, all big we're wrestling not. heads. But uh, yeah, the the turnbuckles would would play, and then the, the wrestlers would have a have a have a bout, and sometimes. At one stage, a couple of the turnbuckles would be their managers and turn it on in the ring themselves. It was hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Did it at Selena's oh. in Sydney as well, Coogee Bay Hotel, with the yeah. Johnnies and the Star Club, this Japanese punk band. It was madness. I can imagine. Hey, I wanted to ask a question. Now, last week we... Because um, yeah, right. we, we kind of talked over social media that we're going to have a roadie on, right? And so I thought for all the people that listen to the show that aren't really musos, and the term roadie covers... It's like a umbrella for so many people it is so right so yeah. right from the guy who was loading the truck right through to the front of house guy so maybe pete if you could talk us through all the you know just quickly all the different people that are in a road crew that are so important to keep the band going well essentially in the glory days of pub rock which is you know where i yeah. came from you always had a front of house guy who's the sound mixer in the in the main room and like I was worked with some really great guys like Jeff Stewart or you know, Peter Ward or you know, Richard Ball or these guys who are like absolute guns. And they've got to be musicians and have a great ear mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah, they can make a band, they can make or break an act. Lighting guys who often sit out with the front of house guy. And uh, yeah, I've seen some some lighting guys. They work so hard because they put in those days we used to put in like sixty or seventy lamps and hang them in a room mm-hmm. and. You know, all these bands in the in the pub rock days, we used to carry like a semi trailer or an eight yeah. ton truck and just be loaded to the gills. Then backstage, you'd have like a stage guy, which I did a lot of, which is a guitar tech. But I also did monitors, which is the fallback, the speakers pointing at the band. But I was lucky when I was touring with Mick. A lot of the time, I had a drum tech as well, which is a woman called Alison Manders, and Alison would do drums because she knows how much I hated touching. Right. Well, that's and then she'd the whole go and do the door, itself, isn't it? She'd set the drums up of the day, then the band would come and think I'd done it, then she'd go out and <laughs> and then she'd go and she'd go and check the guest list at the front and make sure that we got paid right. And then she'd come and put the drums back in the truck later in the night. And oh, that was great. That's cool. We had a really good relationship. That's cool. Yeah. So, so front of house is like the mixing yep. desk. Yep. And then back of house is the band what the band the hears. The band yeah. I'd, I'd mix the vocals for the band. They have a different mix. And then I'd look after the guitars and the guitar amps and yeah. tune guitars, swap strings out. But also, I was got, like, in a way, the, the, um, you're kind of almost like a rock and roll butler in that yeah. stage. You're like, mm. yeah, whatever the band's needs are as a stage roadie, you kind of, your job is to prepare them for stage. And so mm. from the moment they arrive, say an hour before performance, you take them into the dressing room and you make sure they know where everything is, who's what is, where the drinks are, here's your set lists, here's your picks, where's this, you know, they ask questions, you show them where the bathroom is. It's like everything I learned about being a stage guy, to still being good stead to be a parent. Yeah, and in those days, I guess, too, <laughs> like uh, work health and safety, there would have been none of that. I mean, there probably still isn't much of it, but I, I just remember no. you know, go, getting early to some concert and seeing those guys I think you call them the trogs, the the, the, the lighting guys, right up, but, you know, no harness, just oh, yeah, in the roof. the roof, and those and those yeah. thousand watt, you know, lamps and man. Yeah. We, one of my favourite lighting guys, did a lot of work with bands like John English and stuff like that. It was a guy called Steve Wright, and he was about six foot three, really yeah. tall. And whenever he'd be up the ladder, sometimes we'd just grab his tracky pants <laughs> and dack him. He'd, have, he'd be holding lights above his head, and you'd dack him. But yeah, you'd only do it once and run. <laughs> and you guys would be the first ones there I, and the last ones to leave. Life. Yeah. 
yeah. back to the hotel, have a couple of hours sleep or drive. You just never know. Yeah. We used to do the old overnighters where it's like you'd finish, say, the Central Club in Richmond in Melbourne at three o'clock on a Saturday yeah. night, drive and do St. George Budapest Soccer Club in Sydney at, and load in at two o'clock the next oh. afternoon. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I was thinking today, Peter, that... Um, once the roadies, so I'm a, I'm purely a punter. I don't play. Mm. I've I've never done anything outside of talk about music. But once the the roadies had left the stage, that was the this time for the audience to realise that the band was coming on soon, you know. <coughs> and that soon could have been five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, depending on on which sort of a band. But then, so the punter's getting ready to enjoy it. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Millions of our nation's veterans deal with PTSD every day. VA's PTSD consultation program is easy to use and here to help you treat these veterans. Providers like you can access free consultation with expert clinicians, free continuing education, and free resources to help you assess and treat veterans. To learn more, visit ptsd.va.gov consult. And then I was thinking about your role and your, you were probably having a bit of a downtime ready to get back to work as that butler for the guys on stage. That, that 10 minutes before the show and the first five minutes, five, 10 minutes of the show were always my favourite. Yeah. Just because you're, you're focusing, you're doing your final checks, you check and you check and you check again and you yeah. make sure everything where it is. Because when it doesn't work when they walk on stage, you look bad. You make it, they make mm. the guys you work for look yeah. bad. You don't want that. The other thing is we used to like playing with the audience with the torch, you know. Like, yeah, you know, it'd be dark, you know, the backing track would be going. You'd hit the torch yeah. and the crowd would go, whoa! And you just go, oh, you're too easy. And go back out for a while. <laughs> uh, and I guess, I guess you get some of the performers, like you get some of the lead singers that really, you know, uh, you've got to run on the mics coming off or whatever they're really rough on the gear or even some of the guitarists I guess so I, you always remember yeah. Tony you'd remember if you go into gigs watching the roadie come in from the side and fix something up quick or yeah you know yep yeah. yeah. I, I hate it when they go over the barricade when they oh. run they jump off the stage and go out in the audience <laughs> and you're, you're trailing with the mic lead and you're just like I'm, here we go there's one in particular I worked with a lot who used to do it and every time I'd see him head towards the barricade I'd roll my eyes and go here we go again yeah yeah, yeah. I, I used to always be amazed by all the plectrums down there. And the um, mic stand? The mic stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flick them out to the audience and then, they're, yeah. It's, uh, well, when I did a bunch of shows and I actually saw Cheap Trick last week and that's his thing. Like Rick Nelson from Cheap yeah. Trick. Yeah. He, carry, he puts about 150 mics on his stand. He flicks them all night, goes, grabs handfuls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're lucky. I was working for a band called the Candy Harlots who are like this hard rock metal band and we toured opening yeah. for Cheap Trick. And you'd open anything. You'd open a suitcase. There'd be like 200 picks inside it, just sitting on the bottom. Guitar case, yeah, everything. For that whole run of shows, everything you found just had picks in it. He'd be wow. throwing them everywhere. But Rick, great. he had like he's got like 
freaking 200 guitars as well, doesn't he? He does. I, I, the, the guitar tech who is doing them had been doing them for years and years and years. And he's saying to me, oh, it's a little bit of a holiday over here at the moment. We're only carrying 30 guitars. In the States, we carry 40. Oh, God. I've got, so he was, doing, he was swapping a guitar yeah. song. So, like, I, I liked him. He's a really cool guy. So I was helping him, you know. Like, I was getting to play Rick's guitars, giving them to him. He'd go swap it. He'd give me one back. I'd put it in a case. But then, then I'm watching this guy work, and I'm thinking, geez, this guy's the hardest working bloke I've ever seen in my life. Then I realised this guy is playing keyboards and doing backing vocals oh. as well. Oh, truly. During, like, Dream Police has got that. Do, 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 do. He's doing that. And I'm like, wow. thinking, how much money, whatever they're paying you, mate, you're not getting it. It's not enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. So, um, so Pete, um, let's talk about some of these bands that you toured with. You know, there's some huge names here. You know, um, Psychotic Turnbuckles, the Johnnies. Apparently, Mick said they could drink a bit. So I'm presuming that there were some parties with the they, Johnnies. They are Australia's drunkest <laughs> band. Oh, okay. They are. And and there was a period of time during the '80s where they actually carried a bar fridge and just put it on stage with them. <laughs> so the drink writer went in the bar fridge yeah. and the, and Hoodie or Slim or even Spencer, Spencer, rest his soul, go, bartender, yeah. get me a beer. They'd open it and boom. Wow. They just drank. Wow. I've never seen... They, they still go pretty hard. I did some shows with them a couple of weeks back. They still go very, very hard. Yeah. But they're lovely fellas. Good fun. Yeah. Like, too yeah. much fun. Yeah. They have too yeah, much I fun and I just go... Guys, you can't do this forever. <laughs> go, oh, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, they're having a good crack at it. I saw the Johnnies when they played the Love Inn up here in Brizzy back in the 80s sometime, and it's like this dingy little bar in the valley. Oh, and I've the done stage, the Love Inn. Yeah, the stage is at the same level as the audience, and it was just so much fun. The Johnnies were awesome. So. My, my mate Johnny Pierce was the promoter there, and yeah. it was his room. And we did it with the Turnbuckles. We did it with, I think, mm. the Flaming Groovies played there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and John John's got some great stories about that. He tells me, and I'm they're like, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the Queensland Queensland pre Fitzgerald Commission was an entirely different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we used to do the like the Roxy, which was very much in the heart of the Fitzgerald Commission. Yeah, yeah. I I remember seeing the cramps at the Roxy, and and so many people say what a great gig it was, and it's one of those gigs that I really don't fondly remember, but. Um, but after the gig, everyone was outside and the dressing shed sort of backed in, or the dressing room inside sort of backed onto a laneway. Yes. And you could hear, it was, is it Lux? The Lux, Lux interior. Yeah. And he was just going off. He was on some drug-induced bender and it mm. was it was really quite sad to hear. But um, but so many people say what a great gig that was. And yeah, okay, it was okay. <laughs> But I've seen better. So. The, the Roxy would be just about my favourite venue in Brisbane. It was okay. it was like we do it with the tribesmen, and because Mick was from the valley, yeah, all these schoolmates had come in, oh, and indeed. like it'd be shut the doors, and it'd be be people hanging off the rafters, yeah. and it was sweaty, and the band always loved playing there too. You know, they yeah. loved the Roxy. Just demolished yeah. about three weeks ago. It was. I saw that. I was a little mm. bit like. I think I was up doing some shows with someone at the Step In not long, like a few years back before they closed yeah. that. We walked past the Roxy and it was some sort of doof doof nightclub and I just, yeah. a little bit of me died. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So let's talk about some of the cities. So off air, you were talking about some of your favourite venues in Adelaide. So we'll start with Adelaide. 
Furbelin Theatre. We did that. That was the first show we did on the tour when the cult came over and we did the electric okay. tour. Yeah. And Furbelin Theatre, got to say, that that night the tribesmen knocked the cult. The, the cult had been touring the world and were tired. When they got yeah. here, they were tired and they were yeah. angry. And they'd just broken in America. They, their electric album had just gone top 10 in America and they were stuck in places yeah, like Newcastle. Okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. And, and they weren't happy. They were angry. And so we loved that album. We thought that was the greatest album I've ever heard. At the time, it was yeah. like everywhere. It was ubiquitous. Yeah. So the guys, when you do a support, we had a big preparation. They came on and absolutely nailed it. Like the place was going through the... Go, they were going nuts. And Billy, Billy um, Duffy sent me out a message saying... He wants to meet Chris and talk to Chris about guitars and how he gets his guitar sound and all wow. this sort of stuff. And But their crew were really bitter and angry and they made mm-hmm. our life oh, hell. Okay. So we just, yeah. yeah. Everyone had that same experience. Yeah, so Mick, um, Mick Blood, when we first um, interviewed him, he talked about the crew, uh, the, the cult. Yeah. And um, has a full chapter in his, his upcoming book. So as he mm. kept reminding us, um, oh, he's always got a product to sell. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. And the, I, I think I made a comment to Braggy that when you're in that sort of a situation, support band, main support band, and there's animosity, the the support band, do they go out of their way to be so much better than the main headliner or do they blow them off the stage? Yeah, you do. You like Sometimes, like, it, it's funny. Band, some bands don't like each other much. Yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes a band that hates each other drives on resentment, and it's fantastic to watch. Yeah, so they both. It's not good to be around, but it's fantastic to watch. You know, Um, when when you don't like the headliner, you do. You know, they 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 do like to, you know, give it a little bit, but then again, that's such a rare occurrence. It really is. Most most of the times, bands and crew orders get on fabulously. Really, because yeah, it's such a hard job. We don't need to make it any harder. Yeah, I'd, you, I'd agree. When you're doing a support to someone and you see, so you turn up and the crew are your mates and the band are your mates, you just go, "You beauty!" It's like a, it's not, it's like not even going to work, you know. <laughs> I'm talking about. We talked about the Johnnies who partied hard. I want to know about someone else who partied hard, and that's Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, <laughs> yeah, Joe. I, I, I was doing guitars for Joe. He was out here. Jackson guitars. Jackson guitars brought him yep. out here. There was a Rebel Yell Australian Guitar Challenge, and we we did a whole bunch of two we did a whole bunch of shows with Joe and then we did the final of the Rebel Yell Guitar Challenge which was shot live went live on MTV. I've got footage of it around somewhere. And Joe Joe was lovely, but he brought Jeff Skunk Baxter from the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, yeah, the other no, guy and, sat and in the Philly right? Dan he played with too, didn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Skunk was Skunk's got a brain the size of yeah. the planet, right? And mm. and he's uh he's an engineer and he he also worked for the um, DEA in America, and he's kind of like a bit of a spook. Oh. He ended up working in security wow. in America. Jeff Baxter, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and like weird, weird guy. Like, yeah, really professional and incredible. But I think he was out. He came out to be Joe's okay. minder. Mm. So, so Joe figured out early in the tour that my three fingers like that. If I got a standard pub seven inch and put vodka up to there, uh, your fingers are fatter. And then put orange juice in the top. That was exactly how he liked his vodka and orange, and he just loved it. He wouldn't have a drink. He'd go, 
Rossi, where are you? And I'd have to measure his drink for him. And and he was like, I was touring when the last show we had was with, we, the tour manager was another fellow who's passed away since called Aaron Chug, who's, mm. and Aaron, and Joe came to me and Aaron at the end of the show and he said, you guys are the best crew I've ever had and gave us both a gold a brass zipper. Oh, wow. And said, here you go. And we took it to mean that we were the only crew Joe could remember having. <laughs> <laughs> But he was a lovely yeah. bloke, but wow, could he play? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a player. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. All right, so back to venues. Let's talk about the Sydney venues, which were the best ones. There were so many of them. Sydney, yeah. was, Sydney was a rock and roll town. Like, yeah. there was, yeah, the, the southern side and the northern side had beach pubs, and the beach pubs used to just, yeah, go off with people stage diving and stuff. I really, I had a soft spot. There was a venue in Sydney. Oh, actually, this is an interesting story. There's a venue in Sydney called the Tivoli. And the yeah. Tivoli was, yeah, like, middle of George Street, Sydney CBD, premium. You'd go in, You'd they had one of those big theatre theater drapes. So mm. you'd set the band up behind the drape and they'd go, ladies and gentlemen, the Screaming Tribesmen, and the drapes oh, would open. Okay. And you just, it had yeah, everything. Yeah. And it was all stepped and it was like a nightclub with booths. and But it was massive, right? And... Uh, we we were doing the Bones and Flowers album with the Tribesmen and we're going to do our album launch at the Tivoli. We we're pretty excited about it because you don't get to play at the Tivoli for a band, you know, like unless you are you know, yeah. massive. Yeah. So about three or four days before the gig, we got a phone call from this guy. He goes, hi, um, yeah, I'm from Jans, which is, yeah, Jans was the big production company in Sydney. He goes, um, look, we've got a favour to ask. We're going, okay. And so I'm in a hotel room with Jeff Stewart and Steve Wright, our lighting guy, and, and this guy says, okay, um, David Bowie's coming into town and he's doing his Glass Spider tour. So he's doing a press conference the day after in the Tivoli and what David likes to do is to do a performance for his press conference. So would it be okay if, I know you've got a big show, if we came in the day before, we brought in our David's production, we set it up for you the way you want it, and, and you guys could do your show, and then we could just reset it for David the next day. Wow. So, so I've just put the phone down and gone, <laughs> 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 What do you reckon, guys? We're going, Oh, oh, oh we like our stuff. Mm. Oh, okay. We, you mean we don't have to yeah, carry anything? Carry, okay. You get David Bowie's gear. <laughs> <laughs> so we got in there, and they had like, the A the A list of Australian road crew working for us, going, I'll oh, just put that over there, you know. And like going, Shh. we're embarrassed, wow. you can see these guys are that good. And it was it was massive. Like I remember mixing the support band on it who were a band from Brisbane called Voodoo Lust. Yeah. Um, All right. Sorry. I love the Voodoos. I yeah. love them. Gary Slater. <laughs> yeah. Tony Harper. Hound Dog. Hound Dog Harper. I love them. I mixed them hundreds of times. So yeah. I love them dearly. So I, I felt like I was mixing the biggest pair of headphones I'd ever heard in my life that night. Yeah. Voodoo's killed it too. They were such a good band. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. Tell me about the Trade Union Club. I, I'd the, never had the opportunity to go there and I've heard so many stories about it. The Sydney Trade Union Club was... Look, I started going there when I was a kid before I was working full-time. You know, like yeah. I, I remember going there in 81, 82, seeing like the birthday party and you know, the Laughing Clowns and all those sort of bands. And... and you just didn't like it was like another planet for a boy from the suburbs gotta say yeah, yeah. yeah like it really was it was like this whole other world and um yeah it 
at, at its heyday, they would have bands on three floors every yeah. night on Friday and Saturday night, and it was absolutely like, yeah, it was an education. I yeah, I saw I I did so many bands there, like massive amounts of bands, and it was it was the center of counter culture culture in Sydney. It really was, yeah, like mm. like to see the birthday party in their prime with Tracy Pugh and like they were. It was like I remember being a little bit intimidated and just a little bit frightened by them because they were so yeah, dark and intimidating, oh. you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was RSL Club Chic, like but down at the heel. Like they the club was gone. It was going out the back door until some young promoters came in, and it, yeah, they they started putting on punk shows and it just started blowing up, and it was intense and it was a phenomenal place to go and see bands. You would see. You know, John Cooper Clark or the Hoodoo. I remember doing a Hoodoo Gurus show. On I was working for a band that did the first Live at the Wireless album, which was, right. you know, and the Hoodoo Gurus headlined the Christmas show, and like it was like, wow, you know, what are we doing here? Wow, that's cool. <laughs> Bands on three floors. I mean, yeah. where's those? That where's three those floors. days gone? You know, yeah. there was another one in Melbourne called the Venue that used to do that as well like down Earl's Court down near the Palais down at the, yeah. the beach at St Kilda and that was great too you know like mm. those days like the bands everywhere mm. you know yeah we were certainly spoiled for choice and, and nowadays it's such a completely different marketplace it was well I recall going to the in the pub scene seeing bands like The Romantics or XTC or Echo mm. and the Bunnymen at my local pub in Bexley North I saw The yeah, Cure wow yeah, it's a three-piece <laughs> doing ten fifteen on a Saturday night in a forest, yeah. you know, and killing yeah. an Arab, yeah. and it was chocker. Like you, you couldn't swing a cat, but yeah. all those sort of bands were playing, coming out and playing the, the pubs, pubs, and it toughened all those bands yeah. up. And that was the yeah. thing that all those bands from Australia that did that would go overseas and and brain them because they were hard ass. Yeah, as Angus, in Aussie yeah. pubs, and yeah, Angus Young said that he learned to run around stage because. He knew that they were lining him up with a schooner glass. Well, my, my brother went to, <laughs> went to um, uni in Melbourne. He's older than me. And he remembers going to see ACDC at, at, at the front mm. bar. And he said, he said the pub yeah. was so small that during the break, Angus would walk off and, or sit at the bar and have his orange juice or whatever he was having. And he'd have the curly lead and it was still plugged into his amp on the stage. That's how small the freaking pub was. Yeah. <laughs> Th- those guys... Those guys were freaks in that every country they went to around the world thinks they're almost a local band because they came in at the absolute entry level in every country they mm. went to and worked their way up and everyone just, just loves hard them. Hard working, yeah. 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 Hard working yeah. rock and roll band, you know. And they got that, they got that so from the Easy they, Beats because those are the guys that invented the whole freaking sure did. thing, didn't they? And- but Harry and George came back and said, we won't because they, you know, they got stuck in England, yeah. right? They lost yeah. their money and they were, they couldn't get back home. So Harry and George, when they came back, said, "My brother's band. We will show them how to do this." And so they didn't sell their rights. They they licensed their yeah. stuff. And they are worth fifty million dollars every year without getting out of bed. Gotta love Gotta that. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, living the dream, you know. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's your most favourite or most treasured memory from? touring you know it, it's funny i've done lots and lots of different things you know like i uh, there's lots and lots of there's probably two that i love almost as much as each other 
one of course I've got so many tribesmen memories that I you know get sick of talking about them but yeah. we did we in 2012 we got the band back together and we went over and did as Ken a rock in Spain we're on a bill with the Blue Oyster Cult and Twisted Sister and Ozzy Osbourne and all that sort of stuff Steel Panther yes. and I remember saying to Barman who was managing the band going how did we pull this off, mate? <laughs> like the band, the tribesmen hit stage, and there were these Spanish kids down the front holding up "Date with a Vampire," wow. and I'm like going, <laughs> I'm pointing to the kid, going, "You need to get out more often." But, but I, yeah. I get, I guess my favourite thing I ever did, and it's weird, is that I was doing this Elvis impersonator, mm-hmm. and okay. yeah, 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 and but what made this special is yeah. that he'd brought out. A drummer called DJ Fontana, who was Elvis's drummer from the original. He played it on Yeah, Heartbreak oh Hotel, Hound Dog, Don't Be Cruel, Jailhouse yeah. Rock, right? And so I was doing monitors and stage for DJ wow. Fontana. And it was this southern gent. I'd say, Okay, DJ, what would you like in your fallback? And you just look at me and go, Turn it off. Yeah. What's fallback? You never had fallback. What's fallback? <laughs> And so, so like, yeah, he's doing Heartbreak Hotel or he's doing Blue Suede Shoes, oh. and I'm going, that's like him, that's wow. him doing that, like. So how yeah, did this for me, guy, that blew my this, mind. Like, like Elvis impersonator get DJ Fontana. Well, working musicians, yeah, guys. They're just working musicians, and you know. And DJ he was shafted anyway. They, they wasn't had he, a DJ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. Well, he played in up to the, the comeback yeah. special. Then he was gone after that, but he did the old. Um, they they bring him out and do a Q&A with him every night. And I felt a bit sad, you know, because all the Obis fans would be there and they're, they're a different brand. Oh, yeah. And they're like mm-hmm. going... I know that. They're going, um, did Elvis buy, buy you a Cadillac? And he'd go, he was my friend. He didn't have to buy me things, but he did give me one of these rings. I've got one and James Burton's got the other one and this is who he and Priscilla wore on their wedding day. Wow. I go, okay. They go, is Elvis dead? And he'd go... I assure you, my friend, our fr- my friend is no longer with us. I was at his funeral. He is no longer with us. But yeah, it's, people believe that stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah they believe that he's. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That was for me. That was the coolest thing I ever did. I still go. Yeah. Wow. See why? You know? like, it, yeah, there's little things you do, and you just go, "What am I doing here? How did this happen?" Like, you, know, you just get excited because I'm still a fan. I love music like everyone yeah, else. Yeah. And to think you get paid to do it sometimes, it's like, geez, how lucky yeah. is this? But then there's other nights you go, how did I get here? <laughs> what about um, Pete? What about what about riders? What's the what, tell us? Yep. Tell us the most extravagant riders. <laughs> oh, look, Queensland used to deliver. <laughs> Queensland were the best. You'd go up to yeah, Stewart's at Alexandra Headland, yeah. or yeah, because everyone puts in a yeah, rider, yeah. right? But if yeah. you have to put in a rider. Yeah, you have to put it in because if you don't ask, yes. you don't get. Right? So, yeah, our standard rider would be like four dozen cans, a bottle of vodka, a bottle of Jack, half a dozen bottles yeah. of red, you know, tea and coffee sandwiches, barbecue, chicken salad, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And sometimes you get it, you just like go, got it. <laughs> yeah. So next time, I guess you got to go, I'll go more. <laughs> one, one night we did a show in the Pier Hotel in Frankston. Yeah. And uh, we were a support band, right? We were a support band to the Black Sorrows, okay. yeah. right? And we put our right. They didn't put a rider in, and we got our full rider. Right? Gone. Here's the rider for the hitmen, and they've brought it in. We've got chicken sandwiches, drinks, beer, everything. We're like having a little bit of a feast before we go on stage. 
I've, I've, the band's on. I've gone back to the dressing room. The Black Sorrows are in there. They thought it was their dressing room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were, they were very nice people, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm taking it, and once again, without knowing, I'm taking it. The rider is what you request from the venue. Yes. Yeah, it's a contract rider. Cool. See, <laughs> so it's, it's look, yeah, at, at its bare minimum, it'd be two dozen cans and a bottle of spirits. Yeah. Sometimes you'd have to fight, but we'd always have a contract signed, and I'd go down there and go, Here's nowadays the I'd go, responsible serving. We did one at Luna Park, and they said, the responsible serving of alcohol provisions of this state says you can't have yeah. that. Oh, my God. But our contract says we can. <laughs> when you mentioned um, Stewart's on the Sunshine Coast, uh, I'm, yeah. I, I think it was the Malula Bar Hotel on the Sunshine Coast. That powerhouse, Thomas Powerhouse. Had, had a beam right at the, yeah. the, the beginning, very low near the stage. Yeah. And was it Doc Neeson that knocked himself out on it? So, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And and vowed never, ever to go there again because it, it just really made the stage a lot. The roof just come down. So. I love that venue. Those Sunshine Coast venues, the crowds really knew how to have a good time. Mm. Well, they really enjoyed themselves. And and if you get your feet off the energy of the crowd. And we'd like see a sunny coast Sunday night and you go, you beauty. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's the last night of the week. We'd stay yeah. in, we'd stay in the Sunshine Coast, so we'd have a little party at the end of the week, and then drive home. You know, nice. yeah, I can just imagine. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mate. This is um, now. Last week we had, of course, Blake Kateris on. He mentioned that uh, when we said that you were coming on, he said, "I know Peter." So what's the link there? Well, Blake's Blake's a lovely bloke. Um, Warwick Fraser, who is the drummer in the tri- Screaming Tribesmen, yeah. Um, and his whose brother was actually um, the guitarist in Noise Works, Stuart Fraser. Right. Yeah. And Stuart passed away a couple of years ago. But Warwick's son, Marcus, is Blake's mate, Marcus Fraser, who's got a really happening rock band in Sydney called Star Crazy, who okay. I love. And yeah. Blake and Marcus and would you believe is this the best best guitar name, best guitar player's name in the world? And this is his real name, Odin. Odin. <laughs> Odin. 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 Odin, the guitar player, and Blake, they were in a band called Killer Peel when they were kids. Yeah. And they'd do little shows, and I'd go down and help them out, and we'd sort of, yeah, we got them on a couple of little things. And then they did, the, they put out a single, and we did the Sandringham Hotel, the, the Sando in Sydney. Yeah. And they sold the place out, and there were like all these kids everywhere. And so we decided we're going to treat it like a proper rock show. So they said, look, if we pay you, will you come down and treat us like we're a real rock band I've gone, absolutely so Warwick's, Warwick Marcus's dad's turned up with a bubble machine we've done the full show yeah like I'm teching them I'm yeah, leading them out with a torch plugging in their guitars and it was ballistic and I'd known Blake for a few few years around then and he's just such a yeah. lovely fella and he's working yeah. so hard you know he's he plays he plays solo acoustic shows he's got Molly and the Krells he does session work and he is he's like did you ever see David Lee Roth's band or you know, David Lee Roth had a solo yeah, yeah. band with Steve yeah, Vai and Greg Bizonet. Blake plays like Billy. Yeah, he plays like wow. Billy Sheehan. He's a Billy Sheehan nut, and he's like music nerd. But all those kids are music yeah, nerds, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But yeah, Blake's Blake's a super talent, and but he he's a lovely, lovely, lovely person too. Yeah, I came yeah. across. I love young bands. Me too. I do love young bands. I like yeah, to see young bands having too. a crack. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah. yeah. 
and and it, you just get the sense with Blake. Like I, I went and listened to because one of the songs we played was his solo version of "What Went Wrong," um, mm. which is on Spotify. And so he said, "I oh, know I've done it with Molly and the Krells, and that version is awesome. That, it is. That version is just an awesome, and just that little hook for the chorus is just outstanding. So." You he's know, worked really he's, hard he's got on his some singing. talent. He's, he's worked really hard on his singing. He's playing. He doesn't need to do anything. He's that good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, Pete, I reckon we're going to have to get you back for another show because we're already <laughs> at the three-quarter of an hour mark. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. So. <laughs> what, why are you being punished? <laughs> uh, but, but I've also got, like, we did um, seven songs that shaped Brisbane recently, so... I might hit you up and do seven songs that shape Sydney music. Ah, yes. Is, is that a big task for you? N- no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney is Sydney's a rock and roll town. Yeah. Look, a lot of my Sydney is kind of Detroit-based. It's like Radio Birdman school. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of those Sydney bands have got a little bit of Radio Birdman in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've really got to thank you because you've connected us with a gentleman called Chris Mazowak. And at the moment, we haven't announced the date, but we do have a calendar invite for for Chris to come on the show. So uh, Chris is good talent. He's he's a really engaging and smart guy. But uh, if you want, I could probably throw you a bunch of questions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you've now gone into producing as well. I do a little bit. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I. I'm currently working on a Gold Coast band called Fifty Large. Who are they're interesting? Yeah, um, we we did a Maximum Security album, which was like a punk. There was a punk, original punk band from Sydney called the Stukers, who were around okay. in the very like those Phil from the Stukers back in the seventies, and yeah. and they're still kicking around. So we did a solo album, and they and it was a jail theme punk out punk album. It was hilarious. They were great. These gold couple of old guys a couple of young guys in the band it was stunning i now i i do a little bit bit of work towards our band i've got i've got i've got a young son who's yeah playing the factory theater in sydney this weekend he's 18 he's got a 15 year old rhythm section and he's churning out material like you wouldn't believe he's doing that they're doing like their third show but they're pros already you know i'm just trying to teach him how to be professional It's good fun. Uh, I love watching the young kids play, you know. So I get mm. to see five bands of kids about 18 oh, on Sunday. Yeah, that's great. Oh, wow. That's cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But I'll still, you know, still pocket watch will be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so, Braggy, have you got another... All, I, all, I've, all I've got written down here <laughs> is um, just a couple of... We're going back to the roadie thing. Yeah. Dave Gilmore was a roadie for Pink Floyd before he joined the band. And Lemmy mm-hmm. was a roadie for Jimi Hendrix before he started Hawkwind. Yep. And then... So That's right. Sometimes... Lemmy is the yeah, greatest. sometimes you can go from Lemmy backstage is... to front stage like that. There's lots of yeah. guys who do that. There's lots of guys who do both, straddle yeah. both. Nick Barker from Nick Barker oh, yeah, and the Reptiles be. was a crew guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, there's lots of guys who dabble in both. And yeah... Got to make a living somehow, and it's hard for musicians these days. Yeah, it's really hard for it them to make is, a quid. It is, especially it, especially in these times. I want to ask about the um, the blues fest. Is that because it's been flooded, Byron Bay? Is it and is it going to go on? Or are they going to freaking miss out three years in a row? They poor bastards. I don't think Peter Noble's got insurance oh, this year. Oh, 
yeah i think it's uh, yeah it's it's oh. not looking good which is terrible you know um peter noble used to bring in like he brought in the flaming groovies back in the 80s he used to bring in Ken yeah. Heath. he yeah. brought in the residents do you remember the residents yes. oh, I, uh, yeah. they're like this art yeah. rock band yeah. he's been promoting for years and he's built himself up and built himself up and built himself up but i think it's he's a tragedy because I, I love I think, that yeah. i love that festival I've, I've only ever been there once and <clears> i fucking ticked off so many i think i saw iggy pop there man you guys were just playing him before yeah. you know? Fuck. Yeah. so I, I hope it goes I, know, through. I think i i hope it can but yeah the weather in new south wales and i guess yeah all the way up the coast has yeah, just been like never seen anything yeah. like it like yeah, what yeah. else can they throw at us musicians are pretty resilient and luckily like I work in my. I've got a day job, and I work with all forms of performing mm. artists. And actors are a little less. Actors are a little less resilient than musicians. Musicians always live on the smell yeah. of an oily rag. You know, every musician I know has never been. You know, got millions of dollars or thousands of dollars, so they know how to pull in their horns and live, mm. not live large. But yeah, you know, something's got to give. Yeah, it's just not very yeah, fair no, on them not. at the moment because we need it. We need it in our lives. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, we do. We do. Mm. I, I remember the old Livid festivals that they used to do back in the 80s up here and they, they, they were just enormous and they were such a prelude to to that sort of genre that, uh, you know, the outdoor festival. and The um, Died Pretty were the kings of that a lot of the time, oh, weren't they? Mate, I am a Died Pretty freak. <laughs> Don't start there. Have you seen... Have you seen <laughs> never finished Have you seen Joey's Coop? We've seen no, Joey's Coop. That's no. Brett Myers's band in Sydney. They played. They. I was talking to a mate of mine who was there sort of on Saturday night, and he said that he thinks they could be the best band in Sydney. Okay. Brett Myers's new band, Joey's Coop. They just put a new album out as well. Okay. Really, really good band. We'll have to check it out. We will yeah, but um, check it it died out. pretty, uh, as you know. Ron wrote Igloo with yeah. me. Yeah. 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 And funnily enough, with Died Pretty, they were an acquired taste for me when. When it were, when I was I went to see him um, more when I was older than what I did when I was you know in that eighties and it was it was a bit of an acquired taste but um, I love them I I can't get enough of them now I I agree with that entirely the first time I saw them I was doing an animal liberation benefit at the Sydney yeah. Trade Union Club and they were the like Peter people for ethical treatment of animals benefit like could you imagine what sort of crowd you're dealing with there right and the died pretty were the first band on on a seven band bill so like that's the bottom starting at the bottom they came on and i didn't understand what they were doing at all yeah i just didn't get it i just thought no and for years i've just gone not that band and then Mm. all of a sudden they just clicked yeah yeah nothing wrong with the rock nothing wrong with the rock band 100 shows isn't gonna fix Mm. yeah (laughs) true (laughs) true that but yeah. um, I always thought they were just a bit arty, you know, and there was Very. all this like music and layers, and, and mm. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get a beat happening, and I, I felt it was really awkward, and then all of a sudden I was listening to the same music, and I'm thinking, geez, this is bloody good. <laughs> well, Chris Welsh, the drummer, yeah, is like he's stunning, and he was in the Thirty First with Mick, yeah, Mick Maju, and Chris Welsh. Mick said at sixteen, Chris Welsh was a pro, and they were amateurs. 
Yeah. So like his drumming is pretty, and Brett Myers is a fine guitar player, like a stunningly yeah. good guitar player. And Ronnie mm. writes highly intellectual lyrics, you know. Yeah, one of the best. One we of did the a best. benefit for Spencer Jones went in Sydney, and the died pretty played. And I hadn't seen him in maybe fifteen years, and they blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely they get better blew with my age. mind. They every, really every do. Every time I see him now, I just uh, it, it it's almost it's, brings tears to my eyes. There, it's they classy. Yeah, they are so classy. Yeah. So what's on the horizon for you, Rossi? Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm stage managing my son's band this weekend, which is Pocket yeah. Watch. And then Jupiter 5 are finishing off our album. And we've got a bunch of shows. I actually have to go in, would you believe? I actually have to go in for shoulder surgery. Oh my God. So I'll be out for six weeks. I've done my shoulder and I know how I did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've got to go and have an operation in ten days' time, and that'll slow me down a bit. But it'll, but by by doing that, it'll speed me up a bit. So yeah. I've got Jupiter Five stuff. There's a whole bunch of um, turnbuckle shows coming up. There's there's yeah. It's all starting to open up again in Sydney. I'm starting to see it just starting yeah. to. Yeah, it's uh, there's shows, and I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, there's there's a whole lot of stuff coming up, so we're just excited about doing it. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds mm. positive to me. Just um, Pete, yeah. So just bear with us. Braggy and I do a little segment called our Undiscovered Seven Inches. Um, yeah. So who wants to go first, Braggy? Is it you well, or I'm is it Lincoln. me? I'm Lincoln because it's our 57th show. So okay, I'm cool. My mine with 57. And so do you know who, do you, either of you know who Simon John Ritchie is? Yes, I do. Don't say. Do you know Curly? No, um, no okay. idea. Simon John Ritchie was in this band, and I'm holding up Sex Pistols, Seven Inch yeah. of God Save the Queen. That was Sid Vicious. Yeah, oh, and I've also got this okay. one as well, which I'm pretty happy that I've got. Now, for the people listening, I'm holding up Pretty Vacant. So two, oh, you got the seven inch of pretty vacant. Pretty vacant. The back's pretty cool as well. Wow. And so this came out there in 1977 is. when he was only 20, and he was dead at 21. That changed my life. Those two singles. These are yeah. pretty sought after oh, because yeah. they're Australian ones. So all the British guys like like to search for the, the Australian yeah. ones. I was listening to Rainbow and all heavy metal stuff and Black Sabbath, and then I heard that and just yeah. went. Weren't we all, okay. though, eh, at that time? We're all yeah, like yeah, yeah, prog yeah, rock, yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden we went, hang on, you don't have to hang be on. able to play yeah. to, to make a difference. Yeah, that, <laughs> I win. <laughs> and then, and then oh. you know, and then the, the grunge guys I'm, did it all over again for us. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I still reckon those opening bars are pretty vacant and still some of the most recognisable and best um, musical bars or the riff or whatever we call it. I don't know. But it's once you hear that, you know it's yeah. good. So. It makes me happy every time yes, I hear it. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have a band that uh, I reckon our special guest will have known. Oh. It's a band called The Trilobites. <laughs> yeah. Now, <clears throat> I've shared the, another single with these before, Bragg, here. Um, it was American TV and Legacy of Morons. This is uh, from 5th of May, 1985. And once again, can I just tell you, produced by Chris Mazowak, engineered right. by Alan Thorne. And they were just, 
the preeminent producers and engineers of any sort of independent Look at that music cover. there in Sydney. For people who, for people I, who are I listening can't see the cover, we've got the Venus de Milo there in a field with cows, and it says Venus in leather. Yeah. The Venus in leather That's is awesome. the single, and the B side is called Amphetamine, uh, um, Amphetamine Dream. <laughs> Amphetamine now, I, and available I, on YouTube if you really want to. I grew in. up in the same area as those guys, and they yeah. were originally called the Psychotics and were a punk band. <laughs> and we used to rehearse at the same record, rehearsal studio when we were all about 17. And yeah. I was in this rock and roll band, kind of Rose Tattoo, ain't. ACDC, we're looking like, look at those seedy little punks. <laughs> yeah. Look at those weasels. <laughs> but they're, they're lovely bikes. Mick Dalton, the singer, actually worked on A Current Affair for a long time, and he's actually on Channel 9 News in oh, Sydney. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, like, he's absolutely legitimate. Yeah. Uh, so, Braggy, I was thinking one of our shows in the future might be we just pull maybe three or four songs out of our seven inches that we've showed yeah. off. And just yeah, I reckon because I reckon because yeah. if we don't do it yeah. live, we shouldn't get sh shouldn't get them shut down, should we? Yeah. Oh, you mean just oh, play them, not, not 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 show the video clips? Oh no, yeah, we'll okay, do the cool. video clips and we'll just run run the gauntlet and see what happens. <laughs> so, as we know, YouTube loves yeah. it. So why not? Um, okay, I'm gonna wind this thing up. Fifty-seven minutes, and as I said. Um, Rossi, I, I think we could keep just talking. I reckon there's more stories there for you, so we need to get you yeah, back. Yeah, Rossi, that was so, good. Um, next week, we've got Sean Fraser from the Ritzy Kids looking forward. Uh, what's his new song, That's Wide it. Awake? A little bit slower than what he's been putting out, so it'll be interesting to see how that's going for him. Make sure you like, subscribe, or whatever, wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, don't forget our socials, YouTube, TikTok and Facebook. Just look us up. We're having a little bit of fun with each and every one of those platforms. Every song we play on this goes into our playlist on Spotify. So I'll just do a quick search, unfiltered and undiscovered. And in the final lyrics for the night, I've changed it. I've got a great Aussie quartet, Canis, Mazowak, Gilbert and Tech, and the I Don't Mind... Surfer girls. <laughs> okay. See you all and we'll catch you all again. Go out and see a live next band week. This Thanks again. Thanks for having me, no guys. Worries. No worries. It's been awesome, That's Rossi. Awesome. Talk soon. Okay. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.